As Russian special forces move through Ukraine, we find out what their true targets are. Hillary Clinton's adrenochrome factories. And then we travel to China to meet a scientist who one day accidentally swallowed a germ. But this wasn't any normal germ. It was a germ that turned him into a bloodthirsty vampire. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had a great weekend. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so don't don't swallow any germs yet. First off, let's go ahead and welcome in one of our Thanksgiving livestream contributors. Everyone give it up for Young Hemlock. Woo! Give him a big round of applause as he's somersaulting into Dead Rabbit Command. Young Hemlock, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies. As you're crushing them beneath your heel, listen to Dead Rabbit Radio. Um, don't kill them because otherwise they won't listen to it. But those are also great ways to help the show grow. Now, Young Hemlock, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason jet. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. And we are flying on out to the very subject that no one wants to hear about. But some crazy things are going on. Young Hemlock, take us all the way out to Ukraine. The reason why we're flying out to Ukraine is right now, if you haven't picked up a newspaper in the past couple weeks, Russia has invaded Ukraine. They've been there for a couple weeks. They invaded on Chris Chan's birthday. The weirdest of all. The, it, you know what the thing is? Is like originally I said, because we didn't cover the election. We don't do politics. We really didn't cover COVID either. Like early on, I said, you know what? People hear about this all the time. The last thing they want to do is tar- turn on a conspiracy theory podcast and hear about COVID. So we never really touched that issue, right? We Every so often. And I was planning on taking the same tact, and probably going forward will, with the war in Ukraine. Because you hear about it all the time. It's all over your Facebook feed. It's all over the news. You want a place to get away from it. However, I can't turn weird stuff like this down, man. This stuff is just showing up on the internet. I can't turn it down. I actually saw... A schizo van. I saw a photo of a schizo van. Those are those vans with all the paintings on it. Not like the cool barbarian slaying the dragon and holding the busty winch. No, it's like stuff on the side of the van that says Stephen King killed John Lennon and stuff like that. I saw a schizo van about the war in Ukraine. And it said Spetsnats freeze captured kids. I was like, what? I'm like, I understand what those words mean individually, but what in the world? Spetsnaz is Russia's special forces. And I saw that on the side of the car. No context. No context. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that'll pop up on my radar. And it did, because I look up conspiracy theories all the time. This is apparently what is truly going on. The lamestream media won't tell you about this. Spetsnaz, which is Russian special forces, are currently moving through the country of Ukraine. And this has nothing to do with geopolitics. This has nothing to do with the expansion of Russia. No, you fool. You fool for paying attention to current events. Nothing. None of that. None of that. What, what the real scoop is, 
is that Vladimir Putin was pacing around in his palace, his building, his house. I don't know. I don't know where he lives. He's walking around and he goes, what are we going to do about all those adrenochrome processing factories in Ukraine? And he's been fretting over this for years, right? He scratches his head. He wakes up every night sweaty. Only if I could destroy those adrenochrome factories. But how? I know I'll commit my entire military to going in. And this whole war is about shutting down adrenochrome factories. Now, if you don't understand what adrenochrome is, it is this chemical that apparently you remove from the base of the skull of a terrified child. And then you inject it into your eyeball, your eyeball. And then you get high or something. Here's the thing with the adrenochrome mythology. It doesn't make much sense, but... You take the adrenochrome is a real chemical and it's like um, decaying adrenaline and you inject it and you either get you either live forever or you get super high. It's addictive. It's the reason why Hillary Clinton's always walking around looking like a zombie most of the time um, because she's addicted to adrenochrome, and not because she's a 70 year old woman. And what's so weird about it, it was always set up as you would take a child, you would scare him. <laughs> Apparently Halloween's the best time to get this adrenochrome. You would scare a child and then you would suck out their adrenochrome with a needle and then you would turn it into this drug, right? Or you would just inject it straight into your own eyeball or whatever. Apparently there's always been a step missing. It's not just child, it's not just terrified child, hypodermic needle, <laughs> your eyeball. It's terrified child massive industrial adrenochrome processing plant. This was never part of the mythology. I mean, this was never part of, this was never part of the totally true stuff that you need these giant processing plants that have like just like smoke towers and like armed guards, I'm assuming. If you were kidnapping kids and taking them to the factory, I think you'd want it to be fairly secured. Also, do you have to follow OSHA requirements when you're at a factory that has terrified children? Like how does this work? Like, are the kids hooked up to these giant pumps? Is it is it a fun factory? Maybe there's like a balloon house in the middle of it. I don't know. You can't keep a kid terrified 24 hours a day. Eventually, he'll get used to it. So maybe they just terrify them a bit and drain them. And then they take them to the bouncy house after the kid's been scared to death. They're like, here you go. You wee, wee. You're bouncing around. Then you go in the ball pit. And then some guards like, nope, it's time, time to scare you again. Come on, kids. What a horrible existence for these poor fictional children. So anyways, that's the adrenochrome mythology. Now they have these giant industrial plants. Apparently, these plants are all over the eastern... Apparently, just out of coincidence, all of these plants are located on the border of Ukraine and Russia. And every, every tactical part that Russia needs to invade is an adrenochrome plant. Who would have thought that? So Russia is pouring their troops in and sending their special forces into Ukraine, not to take it over, not to set up another puppet government or whatever. No, it's to destroy Hillary Clinton's adrenochrome factories. So that's where we're at right now with the mythology. Vlad Vladimir Putin, adrenochrome factories, that's the reason behind the war. And all this information we're getting from the very reputable website, the best website named after a 1990s horror movie, Dark Outpost. Darkoutpost.com is always keeping us abreast of all of these disturbing allegations. Apparently, Spetsnats, Russian special forces, are moving ahead of the advancing army, and they're taking out these processing plants. So far... They've rescued 100 children. They've rescued 100 children. They're in these basements. under. There's no ball pit. They didn't mention a ball pit or a bouncy house. The special forces are going in and they're rescuing these kids. But see, there's a bit of a conundrum going on. Because you're rescuing these kids and some of them are from Estonia. Some of them are from Russia. Some of them are from Ukraine. 
They're just, they're just visiting. They just can walk back home after the torture. They're like, see you tomorrow. But there's a bunch of American kids down there. There's a bunch of American kids who were kidnapped. And Vladimir Putin's like, oh, no, what am I going to do with all of these American kids? So Vladimir Putin called up President Donald Trump, who, according to this storyline, is still the president. Joe Biden's like a hologram or I think I think they kind of established that he's a hologram or a clone in this version, in this version of events that is published every day. There is a this guy. Think about it. A dude as ridiculous as all this sounds, a man painted this on his van. Right. We can look at this and go, that's really weird and kind of crass that people are taking this current war zone and turn it into a conspiracy theory. And who would believe this? A guy does. At least one guy does, because he painted his van like that. And again, I thought he was just a one a single lunatic. Darkoutpost.com has a huge reach. This is a really big website in this community. So they believe that Joe Biden is President Joe Biden is a hologram or a giant or a giant hologram or a clone. I always I not really for sure on that. Vladimir Putin calls up President Trump in Florida, which is where the real White House is, the non-holographic one. And he goes, hey, Trump, I have all of these American kids and I don't know what to do with them because if I send them back to America, Joe Biden is going to get them. So can you ensure that you can take these kids? And President Trump, to his credit, says, yes, if you want to send over, if you want to send over a bunch of fictional children, I will take care of them because Putin, I know that you're really waging this whole war just to take out these adrenochrome factories that were built by Hillary Clinton back during whenever, whenever mythical time that Hillary Clinton had enough power to do that. That's where we're at right now. If you've ever been concerned about fictional American children getting back home, fret no longer. Because they are currently headed out to Florida, I guess. I don't know. At a certain point, the mythology kind of breaks down. Because if Joe Biden's just a hologram, then why would you care if he got the kids? What's a hologram going to do to a bunch of kids? So he's still real, I guess? Anyways, I always wonder if these people read their own information. Like, because so much of it stops making sense. Technically, <laughs> this one never made sense, right? I don't know why you all of a sudden have to have these huge industrial factories. It kind of takes away from the, this is a secret drug only used by the elite. If they need a city block, <laughs> if they need an entire city block to have this factory processing this stuff, because people are working there, right? People are going in for job interviews and they're like, yeah, I really want to work at this factory. Uh, what do you do? And the guy's like, don't, if you ask that question, you're not getting on the job. You're like, ah. And then you're working in the factory and you just see like this, these huge vats of like red dust being like being processed. And you're like, huh, I wonder what, wonder what all of that stuff is. And then you see like a bunch of little kids walking into a room and you're like, uh, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on here. They would all have to know. You don't ever work at a Ford factory and go, do we make cars or do we make toys or do we make lollipops? Like, you know what you're making. Young Hemlock, let's go ahead and touch the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're going to leave behind the dark outpost. We're headed all the way out to Shanghai, China. I want to say up front, I got most of my information from a website called pandayo.com. 
That's so ridiculous. I don't know why that's any more ridiculous than Dead Rabbit Radio. I got most of my, or really all my information from a website called pandayo.com and this article written by Jeffrey W. So thanks, Jeff. This is a really, really entertaining story. We're in Shanghai, China. We're walking down the street. It's the fall of 1995, and we're just kind of grooving there. We're sitting out on a bench now outside of a Chinese laboratory. And we're eating some popcorn, and we're just waiting for the fireworks. We're waiting for this laboratory story to get started. I guess we should probably be in the laboratory. I don't know why we are narratively sitting outside. Because inside the laboratory, there is a scientist going by the last name of Ling. No first name given, but his last name is Ling. We're going to call him Joe. So Joe is walking around the laboratory in Shanghai, and he's looking at all the experiments going on, and he like, looks at a beaker, and he's like, exactly what I expected, fluid in a beaker. Good job, Mark, and Mark nods. And then he walks to the next laboratory, and there's like a robot arm like picking up a ping-pong ball, and he's like, all right, dude, great on that AI, and the robot gives him a thumbs up. And he's like, yeah, this is the best place to work. And as he's walking through this laboratory, he's like, you know, I really enjoy working in this unnamed laboratory in Shanghai. But my my favorite thing I love to do is to go into my own laboratory. I don't even know why he's doing the tour. That's more for us than for him. He goes into the tour and there's like a bunch of beakers sitting there. And he's like, uh, th- just so you're clear, this is what I imagine a laboratory or a science lab looks like. There's just beakers everywhere. And he walks in and he, all these beakers have different colors on them. There's like a microscope with a little slide and stuff like that. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm at home in my laboratory. What a good place to be. And as he's talking, he doesn't realize that a germ is flying around. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I've spent more time building this up. Here's the, here's the real start of the story, okay? This guy named Ling accidentally swallows a germ at a laboratory. So I don't know if it, they had really lax security. I don't, I don't know if one germ can do this, but he swallows a germ in a laboratory. <laughs> he actually feels the germ go down his throat. And... Something starts going wrong with him. He does quickly realize this one germ is more than just the average germ. He's thirsty all of a sudden. Oh, man. Mm, So thirsty. Maybe that germ has something to do with this. So he goes and he's like drinking water. Mm, Glug, 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 glug. But he's still thirsty. He can't really figure it out. So then he goes to the company vending machine and gets some of that Chinese milk that I saw in Transformers movie. Glug, 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 glug. Still not quenching his thirst. And then as he's like looking for maybe like a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola, he's walking past a room and he sees a scientist holding up a blood bag and they're like pouring it down the sink or something like that. And he goes, that's what I'm thirsty for. I'm thirsty for blood. But, you know, it's kind of hard to drink human blood. If you guys have never tried it, it's difficult. But luckily he works at a research laboratory and they have tons of human blood around. So one night he goes in there and he uses his key card. And he goes into where they store all the blood and he starts drinking the blood out of the bags. Mmm, this is so good. This is what really quenched my thirst. It wasn't a Pepsi. It wasn't a Coke. It was human plasma that I needed. And he begins doing that. Every night he goes into the laboratory. He pretends to do regular science stuff. He's like, hey, I need this blood. They're like, oh, I thought you were a germ scientist. He's like, yeah, I want to see what happens if you put blood on a germ. Just quit asking questions and give me that blood. He begins drinking the human blood. He begins demanding it for more scientific experiments. And then he runs out because they didn't have that much blood, right? 
So then he goes, oh, man, I really need to drink more blood. What other things in this laboratory can I drink? So he's like looking at scientists and he's like, oh, no, that scientist could probably beat me up. And then he looks at another scientist and he goes, oh, I don't know. She looks kind of squirrely. She might be able to scratch my eyes out or something like that. But then he, as he's walking through the laboratory, apparently there's like a rat place where they have all of these rats which is why it's called the rat place. And at night he begins breaking in and killing the rats, ripping them open with his teeth and squeezing them in like a go-gurt, drinking all that blood up. But again, this laboratory only has a fixed amount of rats. You can imagine the scientist, he's like, oh no, I have a big experiment due today. I don't want to get fired. And then he goes in and all the rats are gone. He's like, oh no, oh no, why did I procrastinate? Why did I wait until the last day to do my science? Uh, I'm totally going to lose my job. All the rats are gone. All the human blood is gone. Nobody's suspecting anything weird at this point, right? You would probably start to figure, wait a second. We've Everything in this laboratory that has blood in it is gone, but it must not be something. <laughs> we haven't done an inventory of all of our germs. Maybe a germ's missing. We don't know. But Joe Ling is still walking around drinking all this blood, but now he's out of rat blood. He's out of human blood. So he starts to go insane. He's sitting... I want you to think. The argument could be made. He went insane the second he started drinking human blood. But now he's truly going insane. So at night, instead of breaking in the laboratory and drinking blood, he's walking through the streets of Shanghai and attacking women. Clip, 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 clip. High heels making the sound against a cobblestone street. Apparently there are streets in Shanghai, China, like the 1800s of England. Click, 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 click. And then behind them, uh, uh, uh. And the women turn around in the darkness and go, what was that? And then they see a scientist. They see a scientist standing there in a blood-soaked laboratory coat. And she's like, oh, it's a scientist. There's nothing to be scared of then. Click, click, click. And she's walking. But then, ah, Joe attacks her and rips her throat open and drinks all of her blood. And then goes to work the next day. <laughs> he's not insane. So we were like, oh, we won't suspect this guy. He's not insane. But it's only because he just had some fresh blood. So as night continues to descend, he once again starts to go insane. He has to go drink more blood. And this crime spree is going on for a while. And the authorities in Shanghai are like, oh, dude, this totally sucks. We keep having all these women with their throats ripped open. This is really bad for the tourist industry and for those women. We should find out who's doing this. So the police begin to walk through the area. They're trying to find this killer. And Joe is continuing to stalk and kill these women. The police aren't catching him. And the media is like, you have to find the serial killer. And the people are like, we're afraid to go out at night. And there is a scientist in a laboratory who's really happy and constantly covered in blood. And he's like, I don't know. I'm not a suspect. And all this is going on. And then eventually, one night, a woman's walking through the park. Clip, 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 clip. Little high heels on the cobblestone park. And then behind the tree, it's Joe Ling. And then behind like a couple of bushes are police officers. All things have converged at this point. He jumps out from behind the tree to attack the women. The police jump out of the bushes to attack Joe. They open fire. <laughs> Joe Ling turns around and this huge fight breaks out. Joe begins gutting these police officers in the park. If they thought they could just shoot this guy, they were sorely mistaken. But then but then a sniper from a building does shoot him and kills him. So the sniper was correct. Those two police officers with revolvers, they were sorely mistaken. They were actually killed. A sniper who was watching from above blows this vampire's brains out, kills him. 
Little germ, little germ rolls out of his stomach. I'll get you next time. Little germ high heels on a cobblestone street. The cops now know that it's Joe Ling who's been attacking these women. So now they want to figure out why. Why why is this respected scientist? Why is this respected scientist in a blood-soaked laboratory coat attacking these women? So they go back to his house and they find his diary. Luckily, he kept a diary. I don't know of any adult man who keeps a diary outside of like a journal. Maybe you're on a submarine and you have to write stuff like fought an octopus off today. It was a good day. And I know like like on boats they keep journals. Watch out, iceberg! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. But most civilians don't keep diaries. Maybe scientists do. I don't know. But anyways, this guy does. He had like a pink fuzzy blood-soaked diary with a little key. You can't open it without the key. And they just break the lock and they start reading it. And they said that it starts off fairly sane, right? It's like, today I became a scientist. I hope this works out. And then like he writes about finding a new beaker walking down the street. He's like, this is my favorite beaker ever. And then as they're going through it, it's like, today I swallowed a germ. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know what in the world this guy would even write in this diary. But what's so weird about this is as the diary goes on, it becomes more and more insane. It becomes the ramblings of a madman, which he was. He was killing women in the street. This is an interesting cultural thing, too, because remember, this whole story takes place in China. And one thing they notice, this is really interesting. One thing they notice as they're flipping through the diary, the language changes. It starts off in Chinese because he's Chinese. This story takes place in Shanghai. But as he progressively gets more and more insane and the vampirism takes more charge of his body, the writing turns to Hebrew. That's weird. I, I think that's one of the most curious details about the story. Like, I wonder if in the Chinese culture, the Hebrew language is considered like Super weird, right? Super weird, super esoteric. Uh, that's just an interesting detail. I don't think I've come across that before. We've come across the stories of people going crazy in the diary, becoming more and more rambling. But this one, it becomes more and more rambling, and then they turn a page, and it's like, Meshugana! It's like in straight Hebrew. So then, I guess, I guess the cops are like, we don't know what this says. These are truly the scribbles of a madman. But apparently they got someone who could speak Hebrew, and then the story continues. As he became a vampire, I don't know if they're, in, I don't know if they're saying he became Jewish, or if he just was so insane he could only speak Hebrew, or that this that Hebrew is like this language of magic and like this forbidden knowledge, like the Kabbalah type stuff. I don't know, really interesting cultural shift. I haven't seen that before, where the language changes, let alone changes into Hebrew. This is a story a long time ago. Actually, it was a long time ago. It feels like forever ago, but maybe a couple weeks ago, we covered the zombie story of Shengdu which is a town in China that had a zombie uprising. Jeffrey W. wrote an article that was basically the five most famous urban legends in China. And this is one of them. Now, he was able to find some stuff that may have backed up the story of the zombie of Chengdu, specifically that a case of rabies may have gone around town, that a man got rabies and then he bit a pig and gave the pig rabies. And then the family killed the pig and ate it. And then the family got rabies. And he goes, that might have been the start of the zombie story. He says, I'm not able to find anything that could point to the beginning of this urban legend. But it's so popular. 
Oddly enough, Shanghai has this obsession, the city itself has this obsession with vampires. Pre-pandemic, this stuff has stopped recently, but I'm sure it'll come back. Pre-pandemic, they had a lot of vampire tours of Shanghai. They had vampire parties in Shanghai. And you go, Jason, that's kind of normal. Like, a lot of big cities will have stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. But this, I mean, you'll have big costume parties and stuff like this. But this city is vampire central in China. They're very, very vampirific. I don't, I can't think of another word, but they do seem to have an obsession with vampires and you don't see that in other provinces or other towns in China, at least that I could see. So whatever the origin for this story was, the city of Shanghai has a long history of really liking the vampire mythos. And they have these huge, when I say vampire parties, I'm not saying a couple buddies down at the local bar dressed up from Walmart costumes. Like there are these elaborate vampire parties that were happening pre-pandemic. So they may be coming back now. It's interesting because on one hand, the vampire myth is so old, right? You can look at almost any culture of having a blood-sucking fiend. But this story has a lot of the hallmarks of the Western European vampire. But some of them not, right? There, were, This guy could be killed with a bullet to the brain. He was able to go out into the sun. The fact that the writing changed to Hebrew does link it not to a Western European vampire, but definitely a Middle East vampire, right? To these old legends. It's this just kind of combination of myths with a Shanghai spin on it. Right, coming out of modern age, this is 1995. It starts off as a virus out of a laboratory. Part of me, when I was reading this, I thought it might be viral marketing for that new Marvel movie, Morbius or Sony movie, whoever in the world's making it. But it's kind of the same thing: a guy accidentally becomes a vampire and then he becomes superhero. But yeah, it's it has like these different cultural influences on it. But the vampire itself is such an old story; you find it all over the place. We do tend to look at the Western European vampire as kind of being the gold standard or the blood red standard of vampires. That's the most common one. But we can't forget that these creatures have existed throughout all cultures, and I think the reason why they are is because these creatures exist in some form. Now, of course, I would love it if Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel was real and, like, I could run up and stab people with wooden stakes and they would disappear. They wouldn't leave a body that I'd have to dispose of later. Like, if you had to fight supernatural vampires, it would be dope, assuming I wasn't killed immediately. But I I don't know. I don't think that's true. But the idea of a blood-sucking fiend, it's just too universal for it to be made up. But because we focus on the movie versions of it, one, a lot of people just dismiss these legends. I've talked before on podcasts that I think a war would be the perfect place for a vampire to hunt. Because you're not doing autopsies in a war zone. But there's another killing ground that is just as fertile for the vampire. We'll wrap the episode up like this. I was talking to a friend of mine at work. We were talking about Mexican and South American cryptids. And she told me a story that she had heard as a young girl. She said there was a family that was trying to cross the border from Mexico into the United States. Now, they knew they couldn't do it legally. They weren't going to be able to go through that process. She had a mom and a dad, older brother, younger sister. And they were going to cross the border somewhere between Mexico and the United States and try to find a better life up north. But as they made their way through the rugged countryside, 
the father realized something was following them. One morning, the family woke up and the father was dead. He was pale, with a look of fear spread across his face. They don't know how he died, but it seemed like all the blood was drained from his body. The family continues. The next morning, when they wake up, the older brother is dead. Pale, a look of terror on his face. The mother and the daughter continue to make their way across the hostile landscape that separates Mexico and the United States. And one morning, a young girl crosses into this country. Alone. When she is picked up by authorities, she tells them the tale. I didn't leave alone. I left with my family. But something out there was hunting us. And it picked us off one by one. I'm the only one left. So whether it's the story of a vampire hunting lonely women walking down darkened streets in the massive city of Shanghai, or if it's a creature stalking a family searching for a better life as they march across the desolate landscape that separates Mexico and the United States, remember this. There's nothing romantic about the vampire. It doesn't live in a dark castle, watching the machinations of humanity pass it by. No, it's a predator. It's a blood-soaked maniac that hunts down the lonely, the lost, the desperate, and takes them, drinks their blood, and discards them like trash. The vampire is nothing to be trifled with. It is one of the few cryptids that is recognized around the world. Every culture has a version of this creature. So just remember that the next time the sun sets, the next time the world is draped in darkness, that there is a creature out there that has existed in human stories for thousands of years across the world. Countless civilizations have told the story of a blood-sucking fiend. Just remember that out there, they very well may be a creature who is designed to do one thing. To kill humans. To kill you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.